tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. If you're struggling to get past the first week, or maybe this is your first attempt ever at quitting, then in this episode, I'm explaining my experience with my first week and what I recommend for your mindset towards not drinking, what to do with your time, how to prevent cravings as much as possible, and then a bunch of practical tips for what you can do day to day. So let's dig in. First week is tough. You don't have a streak to motivate you. You may be feeling hopeless and disappointed in yourself. And you don't have much experience handling triggers and emotions without drinking. 
Once you get through the first week, though, you never have to go through it again. So use that to push yourself through. One way of quitting drinking is not going to work for everyone. You really have to just keep throwing stuff at your drinking and seeing what works. So please be open to trying different methods of support and try not to prejudge anything as this won't work for me before you even try it. That was my biggest problem and prejudging things is something that I still do so I try to be mindful of that. But I used to always say I'm different, other people need support, not me, I can do this by myself or I should be able to do this by myself and that held me back for a really long time. When I finally did quit drinking, I felt a mixture of shame, fear, and peace. When I made the decision to stop, I felt free. I felt a feeling of peace come over me. It felt like it was over, and it felt different from the other times that I had tried to stop. I felt at peace knowing that my suffering was finally over. But I also felt fear because I didn't know what was next. Would everyone call me an alcoholic and judge me? Would I be bored and miserable forever? Would my husband still want to be with me if I couldn't drink and have fun anymore? And I felt shame because I still believed that it was my fault and I had let this happen to me. I was worried that I was a weak-willed loser and that was really hard for me to feel that. And that's why I started researching addiction daily, which became this podcast. I needed to understand why me and if this was actually a choice or a weakness. But whatever you feel in the beginning, I want you to know it's okay to feel that way. And feelings are not permanent. What I want you to eventually feel is hope. Hope that your suffering is over and that you can have a happy life, even if you feel afraid, unsure, or insecure. The first thing that I want you to work on is making drinking a non-negotiable. Don't drink no matter what. I hear a lot of people say that they hope that they can stay sober or they're going to try to stay sober. But to me, this means deep down, you don't think that you can stay sober, but you hope that you'll be able to figure it out. If you don't believe in yourself, then it's easier to drink because that's the outcome that you expected anyway. And it's easier to make excuses and bargain with yourself. Instead, try to tell yourself that you are not drinking no matter what. That's all you have to do. Just don't drink. You can get mad. You can cry. You can feel anxious. You can eat an entire pizza. You can eat a bunch of sugar. All you have to do right now is just don't drink. Mindset is really key here. And part of the next month is building your confidence in yourself. You don't have to be confident in yourself right now, especially when you have a lot of proof of the opposite, that you drink even when you say you won't or you don't stop when you say you're going to stop. But over time, as you keep this promise to yourself that you're not going to drink today, your confidence will build. And that's what I observed for myself. I didn't believe in myself at all when I first quit drinking. And then every single day I kept this promise to myself and I started to become more and more confident and I learned how to trust myself again. And you will get there too. Our environment is filled with triggers and cues. If you drink in your house, then your house is a trigger to drink. Our reward system is designed to help motivate us to obtain things that are good for our survival. 
alcohol, though, releases two to ten times more dopamine than natural rewards do. So it tricks our brain into thinking that it's essential. And dopamine is not about pleasure. It's about motivation and seeking behavior. And it causes cravings to drink. You will likely feel cravings this week, especially around day four when you begin to feel better and you've had some distance from alcohol. And a main reason that you experience cravings is because you're in withdrawal. And I have some older episodes all about withdrawal and cravings if you're interested in that. But another reason that we crave alcohol is because our brain believes that alcohol is good for us because it is so rewarding. The brain forms memories of what time of day we drank, what we were doing when we got alcohol, what emotions we were feeling, what people we were with, where we were, and more. These memories are designed to help us obtain more alcohol rewards in the future. Because when we needed to put effort into surviving every day, we couldn't leave finding food or water up to random chance. The brain does the same thing with alcohol. It creates memories of your drinking experience so that it can detect these cues in the future. Then the brain releases dopamine to motivate you to seek out alcohol, which causes a craving. I think if we can understand what's going on internally, it makes it a little bit easier to dismiss the craving and not indulge in it. It's not that you can't handle life and things are always going to suck for you. It's that your brain believes alcohol is essential and it's just trying to help you out. A lot of us think that we can just stop drinking and that's enough but we build our lives around our drinking. You probably selected your friends based on who wants to drink like you do, maybe even your partner, and you gave up hobbies that didn't involve alcohol. And slowly over time, we change our lifestyle to revolve around alcohol. And in sobriety, we have to change our lifestyle again. There's a quote, if you hang out in the barbershop for too long, then you're going to get a haircut. So if you just continue to live the same drinking lifestyle, then you're probably going to drink. Everything in that lifestyle is going to remind you of drinking and seem not as good sober. So remember, the brain is trying to identify things that mean alcohol is coming. So if you're used to sitting on the couch and watching TV and getting drunk every night, then your brain is going to recognize that routine in the first week and send you signals to drink. Changing up your environment and the activities that you're doing removes some of these cues. And I'm not saying like you have to stop talking to all your friends, get a divorce, move, quit your job, and change every single aspect of your life. But you can change simple things like where you sit at night and what you do. I would sit on the couch and get drunk and watch TV. So in my first week especially, but in my first month, I didn't sit on the couch and watch TV. I did other stuff. So even as simple as changing up the location that you hang out in your house can be helpful for reducing the amount of cravings that you have. Some practical things that helped me get through the first week were listening to podcasts and reading quit-lit books as much as possible. I listened to podcasts all day during work and then I would read quit-lit at night. I didn't know that sober Instagram was a thing, but if I had back then, I would have spent a lot of time there too. It's helpful to see examples of all different people that are sober and enjoying their sobriety because a lot of times we feel alone. We feel like we're the only ones 
who have ever struggled in this way. No one can relate to us or understand what we're going through. But there are people out there just like you and also people out there that you can really admire that are living a happy, sober life. And that is really helpful to normalize sobriety and make it feel less like a weak-willed loser thing or a consequence. I also walked about seven or eight miles a day for the first six months of my sobriety. And I still walk almost every day now. Walking helps because it helps us process our thoughts. It's a distraction that takes us away from possible drinking. It takes up time. And studies have even found that a 15-minute brisk walk can reduce cravings to drink. So if walking isn't your thing, then yoga, meditation, there's lots of different options. But do some kind of physical activity or mindfulness routine. Journaling is also an excellent thing to do. That is not for me, but maybe that is for you and you can fill up all these journals with all your thoughts and look back on them. I was also really gentle on myself and I didn't beat myself up for not keeping up with chores or cooking. There's a lot that's going on physically and mentally in the first week, so you need to cut yourself some slack. Get takeout, get a meal delivery kit, eat frozen dinners, or just have cereal. Who cares right now? Worry about cleaning and cooking in a couple weeks or a couple months or whenever you feel ready. It's important not to put too much pressure on yourself. And it's also really common that when you start feeling better, you're going to want to get on this daily complicated exercise routine, go on a diet, cut out sugar and gluten and dairy and do all this fancy stuff. Try to just remind yourself not drinking is hard enough. Let's just get used to that and then we can add other stuff later. We feel that we should be able to do this alone or that we're different from other people and we don't need help. And like I said in the beginning, that was a major problem for me and that really held me back from quitting. Social support is important. We need to realize that other people can understand us, that they've experienced exactly what we're going through, and it's good to get feedback from others in your same position when we're having a tough time. When you're triggered, if you feel like no one can understand you, you're more likely to keep that to yourself. And keeping things to yourself and just trying to willpower your way through is a great recipe for drinking again. If you feel like you have people in your life, either in real life or virtually, that can understand you, you're more likely to go to them when you're having a tough time. If you've been trying to quit and you're not able to, then that is a sign that you need to get more support. Trying to quit the same exact way each time when it hasn't worked in the past, has a low likelihood that it's going to work this time. So add new things to your toolbox. Go to therapy. Go to meetings, whether that's AA or Smart Recovery if you want to do in-person or join virtual meetings. You can do AA meetings online. I have meetings that you can attend. You can get information about that in the show notes. You can join a community. You could join my Living a Sober Powered Life community. You could join communities in sober apps. You can go post on sober Instagram and make friends over there. There are a lot of different ways that you can get support, but it's important to try to be open to it and try new things. Getting support doesn't mean that you have failed 
or that you're too weak to do it on your own. It just means that you realize that having support from others who understand you is just going to help you be more successful. I don't think you're going to look back when you're a year sober or a month sober and think like, man, I really wish that I did that all by myself. So work on changing your routine, being mindful of the triggers in your environment, make drinking a non-negotiable. Don't just hope that you're not going to drink. Tell yourself you will not drink and look into different forms of support. And if you want to join my community, I would love to support you in there. You can get more information in the show notes and I will talk to you next week. It's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.